0: Well, welcome to the hills and to the 26th straight week of online only worship. And I've got some good news. It is the last week of online-only worship for our church. That's right. Next Sunday, September 13th at every campus, we are returning to in-person worship for those of you who are ready. Now, we understand some of you are not ready. You have very good reasons not to return, and we respect that. But some of you are quite ready ready and eager to return to in-person worship. Now you know it's not going to be like it was in January. We have some protocols we are going to have to observe for the time being. But whether you come back next Sunday or later, when you're ready, we're going to be ready. And of course, we're going to continue to provide a quality online experience as we go forward as well. Well, it's not just the last Sunday of online-only worship. It's the last Sunday week of our series on marriage. And what we're going to do today is deal with the issue that is rarely talked about but very real, and that is sometimes marriages don't last. And although that's a acknowledged truth, it's often an unspoken truth in churches, but not today because divorce is real. Uh, If we were back in all of our campuses and everyone had returned, and I was to say, have you been affected closely by divorce? Either yourself, someone in your family, a close friend, would you hold up your hand? Almost every single hand would go up. And so the question we're going to deal with as we close this series is, what does a follower of Jesus do when divorce happens? What should they want to do when the last thing they ever wanted becomes their reality? Now, you'll notice I'm joined today by longtime minister at the Hills, Jenny New. Thank Thank you for being with us. Thank you. One of our uh, wisest ministers, by the way. And as you could guess, Jenny is with us because she brings to the question of dealing with divorce, a very real story that we'll get to in a moment. But each week we've been challenging you to make a choice, a choice uh, that would be in line with what God wants for us. And the choice that we want you to make this week, if you have dealt with a broken marriage, is we want you to choose better over bitter. And to do that, what we're going to have to do today is talk a lot about grace and truth. Now, let's start with truth and let me just go ahead and say what we're about to read is going to be hard for some to hear. But in Malachi chapter two, this is what the word of the Lord says. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are His. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. So let's begin with this truth. God hates divorce. And why? Because God loves marriage. And God is against anything that damages or destroys what God is for. And God is for marriage. Marriage is a gift from God. And God has huge purposes for marriage, as we have discussed in this series. It's His way of dealing with the alone problem of bringing two together to become one. And in so doing, reflecting His own unity in the Trinity. We said before that God has a huge purpose for marriage as being a billboard, a chalkboard, a placard for His own covenant faithfulness, that in Christian marriage, we display to the world the kind of loyalty and fidelity Christ has to His church. And as the prophet just said, another thing that really matters to God is the next generation. And so God has ordained and blessed marriage as the best way to raise up A godly next generation. Bottom line, God does not take lightly people that take marriage lightly. Now that's the truth. And as a church, we cannot shrink back from saying that. We have to say marriage matters to God. That's why we have so many resources and we invest so much into trying to help people build and save marriages. We're always going to hold up the ideal. But as a church, we also have to deal with the real. And the reality is, divorce does happen. Often against the wishes of one of the partners. And that's where the grace comes in. The truth is, God hates divorce. But it's equally true, God does not hate divorce the divorced. Now you need to hear us say that. Nowhere in that text I just read does God say, I hate people who have been through a divorce. God is always on the side of the wounded. He is always on the side of the wronged. And honestly, He is always on the side of the sinner. And the church should be too. Because we're trying to follow in the way of Jesus. And no one who has ever lived who more perfectly balanced grace and truth. He never compromised either. He could say to a woman caught in adultery, the truth, you need to not sin anymore. And he could also speak grace to her. I'm not here to condemn you. So what I hope you hear this weekend are words of grace And truth, and Jenny, I just want to begin by asking you, because you have been through a divorce. When you hear me say God hates divorce, how does that make you feel?
1: I guess it makes me feel relieved, having I'm 23 years from being divorced, and I hate divorce. Divorce complicates every aspect of my life. It's, it's hurt my children. The list goes on and on. So I'm kind of like, I agree with God. Divorce is awful. I hate it too. And frankly, I'm glad to be a part of a church who will still say that. It's important for married people regularly to remember God cherishes marriage and He hates divorce. It's not the solution the world tells us it is.
0: Amen to that. Thank you for being so honest. So tell us a little bit, Jenny, about your own story
1: well um joe and i married in 1984 and the first seven years of our marriage we had three kids healthy great kids and um, we were happy enjoyed life here at this church Uh, just a a great experience to be married and i would say late in the 12th year of our marriage uh, joe was traveling a lot business wise and I just began to realize he didn't seem happy. He seemed like something was wrong. And so as uh, he would get back in town and we would visit, and I just kept knowing something was wrong. And so we ended up um, count, doing counseling for about four or five months and that was hard. It was hard work. But through the process of counseling, I just kept realizing that Joe really had no interest In being married to me and continuing to be married to me and um, so at the end of that year 1997 we would divorce and um, it started me on a path I was totally unprepared for because I came from a really strong big family that knew a lot about happy marriages my aunts and uncles and cousins all of us had enjoyed being married so it was really hard to face the rejection that comes from the person who knows you the best saying, no, nah, not anymore. And then just trying to figure out how to work through it, how to make sense of it. So I was heartbroken and began realizing, oh, my goodness, so much has gone opposite of how I wanted or would have ever thought.
0: So when you finally realized that the thing you wanted less in all of life was about to happen... What were some of the fears that uh, came into your mind? Or maybe some of the lies that Satan tried to tell you?
1: Well, I think uh, the biggest fear is, what is this going to do to my kids? Are they going to be irreparably hurt by this? And um, there's a big chunk of it you can't fix. You just feel this protection because... You had kids because you wanted kids and then you wanna protect kids and this is something you can't protect them from. So I'd say that would be the first thing. Probably the second thing is um, how am I going to be able to carry this full load by myself? How am I gonna be able to do this? Um, the third thing I think was, um, this is kind of an interesting story, I was, um, walking one day and a good friend called, and he said, Jen, you sound scared. And I said, why am? He said, of what? And I said, of becoming like so many divorced women I know that are mean and mad and hard. Mm -hmm. And he said, yikes. And then he asked this question, how many men have really hurt you? And I said, hmm. Two. And he said, how many do you know? And I said, thousands. And he said, well, then let's work on that. Mm -hmm. He said, you've got two sons to raise who need to feel good about being men. Mm -hmm. He said, let's focus on all the men who've done you right. That was a great shift in philosophy and was life changing. Mm -hmm. Um, There are just lots of fears. I think that I would end up doing everything by myself from now on. That's kind of tiresome at points. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about that. Um, It was that summer. It was the summer of 1997. Joe and I were separated, and uh, Britain wasn't quite old enough to mow the yard. And so I'd gotten up early on this Saturday morning and went out in the garage and I'm sure you all know the feeling of you're mad and you haven't quite accepted the fact that you're mad. I get out to the garage and I throw open the garage door and I shove this mower out on the driveway. And I say, I guess I'll do this by myself like I'm doing everything else is what I said aloud. No one could hear me, everybody was asleep. I begin to mow and all of a sudden I hear another mower and across the street is coming my 86-year-old neighbor, Joanna Holmes, Mm. and she has her mower going. And she is just right behind me. And so I said, oh no, 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 Miss Holmes, you can't do this. And she said, yes, and you didn't mess with her. And so she kept mowing and she just mowed and it happened in half the time. And so um, I say to her at the end, I say, Mrs. Holmes, And she said, this is what I saw. She said, I had just finished mowing my yard. And she said, when I saw you heading out to mow yours, I thought, I've been married to an alcoholic. And she said, you do a lot of things by yourself. Over my dead body is Jenny New going to mow the yard by herself today. Wow! God was kind to me like that. Mm -hmm. Constantly doing things to remind me that that was a lie. I wasn't going to be doing things by myself. He was going to send people... And he was going to be with me. Powerful when you learn that and you see it specifically for you.
0: And I remember meeting your family when we first moved to the hills in those first seven years. And they Mm -hmm. were happy Mm -hmm. memories. And you have raised three amazing children. Mm -hmm. Tell the story that your dad uh, shared with you about your fear of being a single mom.
1: Well, um, one night I was, Joe had had the kids and I went up to mom and daddy's as I often did. And um, I said, you know, dad, I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to do everything it takes for these three kids. And um, daddy just sat there for a second and he said, well, you know, Jen, I know quite a few fine folks who've been raised by just having their mom at home, just one good mom at home. And then he did this little half smile and I was like, and it hit me. My dad was a child of a single parent family. His dad had died when he was four. So all of a sudden the thing I had been thinking, oh, I'm just not sure this can work and I can have my kids turn out like I want them to. All of a sudden, my dad was a great man, a wise man, a humble man. Of course, God was gonna help me accomplish this
0: that's so sweet. Well, Jenny, I just want to tell you from my perspective, you accomplished what you said you wanted and that you you have not become that hard, that angry, that bitter woman. And we're talking to some people this weekend and and this is part of your story and 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 you don't want to become that either. You want to choose better over bitter, but it's hard. So what are some things that you've learned or some decisions you made that guarded your heart from going in a toxic or destructive direction?
1: Well, I think part of it is all of us want to win the battle all at once. We want to make one decision and it be accomplished. That's really not the way life is. Um, I know Christians I've known for years, it seems so solid that you just think, wow, that's just the way they are. They were born Christian. And the truth is nobody's born Christian. Mm -hmm. The truth is it is one decision at a time, one day at a time. And, oh, y'all, I'm so far from perfect. Mm -hmm. And yet regularly, daily trying to decide how to honor the Lord in a situation I had no use for being in. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of things. Um, I knew from the time that Joe left that, Unless i married again, I would never have sex with anybody again. That was just a decision I knew. I've never second guessed that because I knew it was God's will. He's used that to build a little layer in me, mm-hmm. trying to regularly discipline myself to not complain. Just deciding, you know, if I said everything that crossed my mind as friends grump about husbands, I would have no friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I've just decided, you know, that's just not my place you know to to not say everything you think about your ex-mate about the mess you're in about things would be so different if limiting that is helpful always finding a place to be grateful a way to be grateful sometimes I've had to dig pretty deep to be grateful because this isn't really the life I ordered and so um, those are some things um When I first realized that I didn't think we were going to be able to stay married, I decided I would meet with my, uh, two brothers and my sister and their mates and my mom and dad, and just tell them all that this is what I thought was going to happen. And I'll never forget it. It it was a Wednesday night. We all got home from church and I said, Hey, I want to meet y'all. So we went to mom and daddy's and, um, I'm telling my mom and dad for the first time. And, um, I knew it was awfully hard for them to hear. And we, you know, everybody cried. Everybody was so sad. And it wasn't like the details of what all had gone on, but just that this was the things, way things were going. And so I, I guess we were fixing to pray, but I will never forget this. Um, my daddy just said, the last thing Joe and Jenny's kids are going to need is to hear us say one negative thing about Joe. That's the last thing they're going to need. So we're all in mom and dad's living room. And dad just um, looks at my brother, Andrew, and says, Andrew, do you understand that? He said, yes, sir. Kelly, do you understand that? He went all the way around the room, making sure everybody understood what the standard was. I was right here by dad. I'll never forget. He looked at mom and said, "Uh, Emma, do you understand that? Yes, sir. Looked at me and said, I said, yes, sir. But my dad, as brokenhearted as he was, and probably mad, that was the choice he made, and he set the plate for all of us that this is the expectation. He went on to say, if if when a kid walks in the room, the room goes silent, the kid knows exactly what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if on the phone all of a sudden you can't say anything because a kid says the kids know. So he said, Let's protect these kids. Mm-hmm. It was life changing. It was life-changing. I'm better because Dad set that standard.
0: Well, like I said, I, I so applaud that you haven't become that bitter person. In fact, let me say something else, too, I admire. I don't think of you as a divorced person. You're just Jenny New, follower of Jesus, good friend to Jamie, my mm-hmm. wife. You, you have not made I'm divorced as your prime identity. A follower of Jesus is your prime identity. You, you've managed to live your life continuing on mission. Uh, looking forward instead of back. And and tell the story about a good friend and you said your life had gotten off the rails.
1: I was um, at dinner one night with a good friend named Greg and I was telling him, I said, do you not see like my life is off track? That this is what I had planned and I'm over here. And so Greg takes out a napkin and he says, so you're saying, so he just sketches out. So here's the track and you're over here. I was like, "Uh yeah, that's it. You got it. That's it. My life has been ruined. You know, and he said, well, he said, now, so where were you going? I was like, he's like, where, where were you going? And I said, well, Joe and I and three kids were going to heaven. That's where we were going. He said, so that ultimately that was the plan. I said, yeah, I mean, there were things between here and there, but yes, that was the plan. And he just sat there. Greg's a great listener. And he said, well, Jen, he just circled said that destination is still available. That destination is still available. And what he didn't say, but what I heard was, so go with what you've got. Go with what you've got. I think so many times our tendency is to keep looking backwards, going, well, that's not what I wanted, you know, rather than, Stay in the day and go with what you've got. Make the very best out of what you have. Powerful.
0: Well, that is a good word. (laughs) I may have to do a series in the future. Go with what you got. (laughs) That is really strong. And Jenny, I know this is hard, but um, I think it's important that we talk a little bit about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And what has God taught you about forgiving that you could share with us?
1: Well, I think again, um, most of us in something hard, uh, you're not able to forgive all at one time. It is just inch by inch. It's again, it takes us back to layers. It's just layers. And I think, um, I think a lot of us, because we're thinking, how can I get out of pain are trying to rush toward it when we're just not ready yet. I think forgiveness takes time. I think, um, I think just even knowing what you've lost, I think that it takes time to realize, oh yeah, that's going to be different too. Oh, that's going to be different. Um, so I think it takes time, obviously. Um, I think for a while I felt like to forgive was letting somebody off the hook. And that seems kind of wrong They did something wrong. You, they should suffer a little bit, you know. Um, but really, me holding on to unforgiveness didn't cause the other person to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Lord tells, tells us plainly, vengeance is his, not ours, and, and that's hard when you've been stung so bad, and especially when kids you love have been stung so bad that that's hard. But uh, forgiveness, I think, is just a gradual process. And I think when you finally do it, you know. You know that you've done it. Um, you know, I've heard Rick many times in this in this building, uh, say, OK, if there's somebody you need to forgive, and Joe doesn't even come to my mind because it's already done, mm-hmm. that's a relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a relief so so forgiveness does obviously it it affects our forgiveness it affects God forgiving us um but it's really a relief um one thing I just want I want to say about this whole subject is every divorce is different um forgiveness is easier for some people than for other people I do believe that but I also think um everybody needs company on the journey. Everybody needs someone to really listen. So if you have a friend who's been divorced, don't paint them in a corner about it. Mm -hmm. Just pray. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, tangible things are helpful to divorced people, to hurting people actually. That, um, I mean, I, I could tell you stories about most of what I have on right now that somebody gave me at a strategic time when I was feeling alone to remind me, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm praying, you're not alone, God's with you. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful things to be able to wrap your mind around.
0: Well, and that's so important. I'm so glad you brought that up, because I'll be honest, I think sometimes uh, we don't know what to do or say when someone has been through an experience that we have not been through. And it's not helpful to say something quick, like we'll just get over it. Right. Uh, and, so we need to let someone who's divorced grieve and have time to get to a place where they can heal and forgive. But, but I would love to um, ask you, what are some other things that we can do, that churches can do to help people who've been through the pain of divorce? I, for, for example, I, I'm thinking that probably being included with other families was important to you and your kids, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it was more than important. It was essential. It was essential to be around um, whole families, Uh, That that's just so good to be treated uh, normally. Um, You know, it's it's a trick, I realize, that um, you don't want to make someone feel awkward and yet trying to include that all of that is hard. You're going to be better at it the better you know someone. You're going to be better at it the more at ease you are. Um, I think about one night, the kids and I were over swimming at James and Lisa Jennings' house. And I will just never forget it. Lisa said, "Hey, can y'all spend the night?" Oh my goodness, that was so fun. We just all piled in there, spent the night. But what it said is, "You're wanted. You're wanted." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just a that's a lot to think about. I think notes, cards, you know. Just today, a friend sent me a verse. And I said, "That's exactly the verse I was going to talk about today." Uh, I think sometimes when someone sends you a verse out of the word, to know they thought about you when they read it, helps it become your verse. And we all need verses that are our verses. Mm -hmm. Uh, God, God tells us in Isaiah that he hides treasures in darkness. And I think lots of us have believed for a long time that God loved the whole world, but it's not until we're suffering and we're struggling that we become aware of all the little things he does just for us, oh, he loves me. I'm not just a part of the big world, but he loves me as an individual. He cares about me as an individual.
0: So, thank you so much for that. I know you've been blessed by those words. Like I said, she's one of the wisest people that I know. And that's all we have to offer, Not, not a formula, not a one, two, three, and this will help you get over divorce system. Uh, all you can really offer is grace and truth. And so let me close with that by just saying, if you've been through a divorce, um, the first thing I just say is you need to confess the truth about your past. What does God want you to learn from your failed marriage? Uh, What does God want you to own? Uh, Maybe the Spirit will reveal some attitudes and some actions in your heart and life that God Uh, wants to change, uh, that you need to ask God to forgive. Maybe you need to ask someone else, including your ex, uh, to forgive. Uh, See, that's part of what repentance is. Repentance is telling yourself the truth about yourself and asking God to heal and change. But you know what? Even if you don't own any responsibility for the divorce, you still own responsibility for your heart, to guard it, to choose better Over bitter, like you've done and and you can because there's no fail in our past that's more epic than the love of God and and so the second thing I'd say in close with this is I want you to receive God's grace for your future Uh, God is always going to hold up the ideal but God is always going to stoop down to those who don't meet the ideal and guess what that's all of us all of us have failed the ideal and God has stooped for all of us. And so I don't want you to define yourself by a love that didn't last. I want you to define yourself by a love that will never end. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Here's the thing. Life is messy. And there are no simple rules to follow to clean it all up. I remember a line I heard years ago. The difference between a problem and a mess is that you can fix a problem, but a mess can only be redeemed. Every one of us has some mess in our life, and it can't be fixed, but it can be redeemed. And you know what? That's God's choice. Let's pray. And so, Father, I I do pray that these thoughts uh, were healing, were helpful, were true, were wise, were Christ honoring. Thank you for Jenny, for her honesty, for her transparency. Thank you for all the people that you have used. In her life and thank you for the way you have used her to touch so many lives and help us all God to understand and realize you waste nothing no pain no hurt no wound no person you waste nothing you know how to redeem messes and so help us God today wherever we are single, married, widowed, divorced. Help us to receive your grace and help us to be models and proclaimers of that grace to other because you are the God who picks and chooses messes and makes them family. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.